Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to LWCC. Welcome those who are here and those who are joining us online to the exciting concluding uh, message in our series that we've been calling, the summer series that we've been calling The Gospel According to Marvel. The Gospel, have we, have we enjoyed the series so far? We have, we have. I told you we were going to have some fun with it. Well, we've been looking at the fictional heroes of today and cross-referencing them with real-life Bible heroes and or biblical truths and stories. And we've heard from Iron Man, the the heart of a hero. We've heard from Captain America, the character of a hero. There was Hawkeye, the aim of a hero. The Black Widow, the unlikely double agent hero. Go back and listen to these. The Black Panther, the reluctant hero. And then last week we heard from the Hulk, the Hulk by Pastor Sean. Thank you, Pastor Sean. And the attitude of a hero, which reminded me of a story told of two old friends who bumped into each other on the street one day. And one of them looked upset, almost on the verge of tears. His friend asked, what has the world done to you, my old friend? And the sad fellow said, well, let me tell you, three weeks ago, an uncle died and left me $40,000. But two weeks ago, a cousin I never knew died and left me $85,000, free and clear. Sounds like you've been blessed. You don't understand, he interrupted. Last week, my great aunt passed away, and I inherited almost a quarter of a million now he was really confused. So, so, so it's the loss of your distant family members who you didn't really know, that, that the reason why you're sad? No, he said, this week, nothing. <laughs> Talk about needing an attitude adjustment, right? Or, or, or a better uh, outlook on life. Again, that was a great message last week, Pastor Sean. Thank you. But that story also relates to today's message in terms of how to improve our overall lives or how to have a better outlook on our lives. And we're calling today's concluding message, The Vision, The Plans of a Hero. Vision, The Plans of a Hero. Now, leave that pick up there just for a moment of vision. Do we have his picture? He, he is a fictional superhero appearing in American comic books, just to give you some background, published in Marvel Comics, created by a fellow by the name of Roy Thomas, he first appeared in Avengers Volume 1, number 57, in, in 1968. That's how old he is. He is a synthesoid made from vibranium. Vibranium is the, supposedly the strongest metal on Earth uh, uh, found in one only place. Who knows where it's found? I know Joseph knows where it's found. Where, where do you go? Where is it found? Wakanda forever, right? Right? <laughs> and it's also the thing that the uh, Captain America's shield is supposed to be made out of, so it's one of the hardest things on Earth. He was originally conceived as the perfect form for Ultron, the, and the body was taken by the Avengers before Ultron could upload into it. And Tony Stark and Bruce Banner proceeded to upload the remnants of Stark's personal AI, Jarvis. And this is, I mean, just follow along with me just for a little while, those who aren't Marvel people. Upon his birth, Vision declared he was neither Ultron nor Jarvis, but one that would fight with them to protect humanity. And so at the end, you don't understand, they, they weren't sure. That was his birthday, the, the, the guy with, with the orange face. and the, That was his birthday, and they weren't sure if he was evil or good. 
And one of the things that indicated to them that he was on the, the right side was he saw at the end he picked up, what, what did he pick up? I'm just seeing if you guys are paying attention. He picked up Thor's hammer. And Thor's hammer was supposedly only those who are virtuous and only those who are good are able to pick it up. Everybody, and even the good guys can't pick it up. Only those who are pure of heart or something along those lines does the, the hammer allow to be picked up. So that was an indication that he was on the good side. He's another Marvel superhero that kind of kicks butts and takes names. Uh, he has the ability to phase, become extremely dense, as well as fly, shapeshift, shoot beams from the stone in his head. A formidable superhero indeed. Now in the age of Ultron in the Marvel movie, where we saw that clip, he was absolutely key and necessary to the victory over the evil Ultron, which wanted to kill the Avengers and annihilate the whole human race. In fact, we could say that if it wasn't for the vision, he would have succeeded. Because, there was a, because vision was in there, evil was defeated. Now, I'm going somewhere with this message this morning. Because the Bible makes it clear that we all need a God-sized vision. Come on, somebody. We need a God-sized vision in our life if we're going to experience the victories over uh, the obstacles and the enemies that come our way. Listen to what the Bible says about vision in Proverbs 29, 18. It says, where there is no vision, the people do what? The people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, the message puts it this way. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are what? Help me. They are most blessed. Anybody interested in being most blessed? I, I, I'll settle for blessed. But if I'm most blessed, that's even better. And so he's given us a key, and it, I, I like simple, because it's a simple remedy to becoming most blessed. To be most blessed, I want you to write this down, you've got to see what God is doing. That's the first thing. And then once you see what he's doing, you've got to do what he says. See what he's doing, and then do what he says. Does that make sense? Another way of saying it is to see where he's going and then follow where he leads. See where he's going and then follow where he leads. So it's critical. That's how we ended up in the ministry. We saw where God was going, and it's not just enough to see where he's going. You got to follow where he leads. And where he guides, he provides. Amen? Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And they follow me. He also said, it's not just the hearers of the word that are justified before the Father. It's those that what? Help me, somebody. It's those that do what he says. And that applies personally, as we learned in, in Hawkeye, the aim of a hero, where we saw that, that, that there is a race marked out for each and every one of us. Look it up when you get a chance. It's in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. There is a race that God has marked out for every single one of us. And then Jeremiah 29, 11 goes on to tell us that God has a plan. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And so there's a personal plan that God has for all his children that if we learn to aim straight and follow hard after him, he will reveal it to us. Whether it's the career path we're supposed to be on, who, who we're supposed to marry, do you, do you think God knows who we're supposed to be, have a partnership for life with? Come on, somebody where we're supposed to live, what, what our uh, buildup is in terms of service, how we're supposed to serve. You know, they say that the devil is in the details. The, the devil doesn't have no details like God has details. Amen? Amen. 
if he's numbering the hairs of your head, come on, somebody, that he's in the details. And I didn't say it. That's what the Bible says. The hairs, Jesus said, the very hairs of your head are numbered by the Father. And so if he's counting the hairs of your head, do you think he's concerned about the details of our lives? Does that make sense? Yes, it does. But, so he has a detailed plan for our personal life. But he also has a corporate plan for us as well to follow. Uh, we see some of the corporate plans that he had in the book of Revelations where he, he gave instructions to the seven churches. A couple of churches fell short of their corporate mandate that God had for them, and, and they got caught up in foolishness. And so God sent a warning telling them that they were, they, how he looked in their eyes. Some of them thought they were rich and, and, and clothed and, and all these other things and got it going on. He says, you're naked, you're blind, you, you, you don't even understand your condition that you're in. And then he told them to get back on path. Some of them, he says, you're, you're, you're neither hot or you're cold, but you're lukewarm. And when you, because you're lukewarm, it's, it makes me want to spit you out. And so he's telling this to the churches not as a, as a, because he, he hates them, it's because he loves them. And he wants them to get back on the corporate plan that he has for them. They got caught up in foolishness. So he warns them, and he tells them exactly what they need to do to get back on track. So the corporate plan are, are, are basically fivefold, what I call fivefold pillars that are non-negotiable for each church. It applies not just to the churches in the book of Revelation, but it applies to all the churches, things that we should have in place in our church if we are going to fulfill the vision or the plan that God has for us. And so I want us to kind of cover those. It's not new to me. It's based on Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Church, which I thought was one of the best books I've ever read. And we've adopted it toward our church because rightly said, he who fails to plan, plans to fail. And I don't plan to fail. Amen? I want to fulfill the plan. I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. So we just got to make sure that our plans are the same as his plans. A lot of churches get off track, and they become something other than what the church is supposed to be. They become social clubs, or they become certain things in, in the community. It's not necessarily exactly what God wants for them. And so when it comes to our church or any church, there are five things that God expects. I want you to write these down. Number one, he expects us to create an atmosphere and or to, to, to um, promote worship. Write that down, worship. Jesus said it in, in John chapter 4, verse 23. He said, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now watch this. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father, what? Seeks. God is looking for people who are true worshipers, not just people who are going through the motions. In other words, when your life becomes a true worshiper, your life begins to, I want you to write this down, magnify his grace in your life. Magnify his truths in your lives. So the Father's looking for true worshipers, not just what I call weekend warriors, where they come in on half hour, the, the cue the music, they, they raise their hand, they stand up, they sit down, and that's the entire worship for the week. That's not what God is looking for. That's great. That's what should be taking place in church. But what God is looking for is more than people who are, put, who are willing to just put, put, 
you know, Christian slogans on their shirt or, or bumper stickers on their car. He, he's looking for someone who's going to reflect his grace and his love seven days a week and, 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 and 52 times out of the year, 52 weeks out of the year, 24 hours a day. Does that make sense? Not just lip service on Sunday. A true lifestyle change for believers. And when that happens, that's when our lives start to magnify him. That's when grace starts to, when we, as far as true worshipers, start to flow out of our lives, not just on Sunday mornings, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday as well as Sunday. The second pillar that God is expecting from us is that of acceptance. Write that down. Now, we need this more than ever because I, in my lifetime, people have not been more lonely or more separated than, than we have over the last year and a half, two years. Can, can I get a witness to that? People have been driven into their homes. And so there's this disconnect where the Bible never intended it to be. In, in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says, Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the result of them connecting with one another was people coming into the kingdom. I want you to write this down. That is fellowship or membership. Write that down, membership. It means that we belong to each other. It means that we are stronger together. It means that we need each other, which will result in people coming to the Lord. That's why the Bible says, don't forsake the gathering together of the saints. Um, uh, there, are, there are those, I spoke to someone on the phone yesterday, and she hasn't been to church. She, she, I said, why, why, you know, basically, why, why haven't you been coming because of this virus? She's not coming anywhere. But then we got onto the topic of she's making sure. I said, have you, have you got the COVID yet? No, haven't got it because we've been ultra careful. We're taking vitamins and this and that. She told me the type of vitamins. I said, where are you getting the vitamins from? She's getting it from her nail tech when she goes to, to get her nails done. <laughs> so let me understand this correctly. So, so you're, you're, out, you're able to get your nails done. Um, you're probably getting your hair did, okay? You're out there shopping, right? And I made this point before. You, 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 you're probably going out to restaurants. What's the only place you're avoiding? Church. Help me out, somebody. Church. That's the only place you're avoiding is probably church. And that's the one place the Bible says, don't forsake the gathering together of the saints. Because it's only in the context of the church can we do the, the things that, that only we can do together. To love one another, to, to pray for one another, to forgive one another, to, to bear one another's burdens. You cannot do that by yourself. It's only in the context of a connection with the church. And the church should be one of the most accepting places on the planet. That's our pray prayer for LWCC because there's such a disconnect in this world today. I, I pray that when people come here, they, they will feel the love of Jesus in this place. Amen? I, to tell you the truth, I, I am concerned because it feels over the last year and a half, two years, that that is what the enemy's attacking. That is what the enemy's attacking. 
You know, we, we did a church picnic the other day, and we had people come out. But you can also you can already see the, the evidence of we've done church picnics for 20 years, and we've had lots of people coming. But even in this context, in this new era, you can tell people are still kind of off to themselves. To God be the glory, we had, what, seven people get baptized, and, and that was an awesome, awesome beach time. But we need to not forsake the gathering together of the saints. And if you are successfully going to the <laughs> bowling alley, and if you're, going, if you're going to the beach, and if you're going to other places, then you should be able to come to church as well. Amen. The third pillar of the church is to teach, to teach. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do what? Is it up there? No. Okay, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the ages. That's Matthew 28, 19. And so when we... When we uh, obey Jesus in this command, and we start to teach people to obey what God says, it leads to maturity. Write that down. Maturity. How many know that God wants us to grow? And that's how we grow. We learn to obey God's word in our lives. Again, we, we do this through Sunday lessons. We do this through life groups that we're starting up again. And we do this through encouraging personal study. Spending time by yourself in God's Word. It's important for us to study God's Word because this Word speaks to a lot of things in our lives, right? It speaks to relationships. It speaks to um, friendships and, and finances and raising children. It speaks to all these things so that we can become mature in the things of the Lord. Let me give you, what's the first one? Worship. What's number two? Acceptance. What's number three? Teach. The fourth pillar is to equip. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility is to, what does it say? Equip God's people to do what? To do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Can I ask you a question? Who are God's people? Who? Turn to somebody and say it's you. I'm looking at you in the, in the camera. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it's you. Okay. Who is supposed to do the work of the ministry? So the end result of us being equipped will be ministry. Write that down. Or service. And the one who is responsible for doing the work of the ministry, believe it or not, is not the professional uh, you know, the, the professional person like, my, like myself. The Bible says that God has called us to the professional minister. He's gifted that to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and teachers, and their responsibility is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. You know why that's important? Because 150 people could do more than one person. 150 people can reach more than one person. I am not at your work. I am not at your school. I'm not in your neighborhoods. Come on, somebody. 
You are. And God's called every, each and every single one of us to be his hands and his feet and to be, to equip, our, to, to allow ourselves to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. And so we will always encourage you when you come here, not just to sit, but to take that next step and to serve each other. Now, I know it's been hard this last pandemic, but it's still, let me tell you something, it's still the, the, what I call the, the 2080 rule, where 20% of the church gets it and finds a place of service, and 80% of the church just comes. Now, if we can get that a little bit higher, it wouldn't be so hard on the ones who are doing it. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? And so we need to understand that God didn't just call you to sit. He's called you to serve. To those who are serving, we say thank you. Now, I've given out a ministry pamphlet. Everyone should have gotten one. When you get one, I want you to take a look at that. Those are areas of service that we have in our church currently, areas that you can plug into. And we give you the opportunity to say, I'm going to be on that ministry team. You can join a ministry team. If you don't like it after a week or two or whatever, you're not married to it, you can try a different one. But understand that God has called us not just to sit, but to serve. And those are the different ones. Write it down. We'll, we'll, if, you, if you fill it out or contact us, we'll put you in touch with the ministry team leaders. But plan to serve. Lastly, we're called to reach. To reach. And Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, again, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Jesus speaking, throughout Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the end result of us reaching out will be missions, missions. And this verse actually gives us a blueprint for, for missions in our lives. First, it says, start in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where they were living at the time. So what is your Jerusalem? Your Jerusalem is your home. Your Jerusalem is your neighborhood. It's your city. It's your, it's your friends. It's your work. It's your school. Okay? Then there's Judea and Samaria. Uh, that would have been the next closest cities to Jerusalem. For us, it would be the cities surrounding our church or wherever you live, whether it's Plantation or Cold Springs or Coconut Creek or wherever you live. This might involve what I call targeted local outreach to certain areas, i.e. food drives, which we've done in the past, and shelters and, uh, and the like. But it also might involve your social media friends. A simple way to reach out would be to what we say to subscribe like, and share these messages among your social media friends. You never know who might be listening. I was at the beach last week with, uh, for the baptisms, and I, and I sat with a, a young man who said, you know, I, he, has, he hasn't come to the church very often because he works on Sunday, but he says, we, every Sunday, uh, six to ten of us are sitting down and watching the, this message every Sunday online. And so it shows up as maybe one person watching, but you don't know how many eyes are on that screen. Amen? Does that make sense? 
And so we've got about 30 people still watching online and another 8 or 10 or 12 on Facebook, on YouTube. So take the time. That might be the way to, to reach out to your Judea and Samaria, your next closest cities, to subscribe, like, and share these messages. And then he says, to the ends of the earth. And the ends of the earth are basically foreign missions. When it comes to foreign missions, you need to know that some give by going and some go by giving. And at this church, we, we do both. We've been to Jamaica. We've been to Haiti. We've been to Russia several times. We've been to Brazil and India most recently over the years, which we're still supporting. Hello to our India friends who are watching us right now. We've also given in places like the Bahamas for hurricane relief uh, over the years. And, we've, and then we've also supported two little girls through Compassion International, uh, Jessica. She's 17 now, but we've been supporting her from Ecuador since August 2010. And Cadiz in Ethiopia since August 2010. She's now 15 years old. Now, why is that important? It reminded me of that old starfish story. You remember that starfish story that we used to hear where, where a guy goes out early morning and he walks on the beach after a storm and hundreds and thousands of starfish are literally littering the beach. And then off in the distance, he, he sees that this is going to be a problem because as soon as the sun comes up, the starfish are going to die. Uh, but off in the distance, he sees this little kid frantically picking up starfish and throwing them in the water and picking them up and throwing them in the water. And as he walks closer to this kid, he says, kid, what are you doing? And the kid says, sir, if, 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 if I don't put these starfish back in the water, they're going to die. They're going to die. Can you help me? He says, well, what does it matter if you, if you pick this one up? There's thousands of them on the beach. I mean, what's it going to matter if you throw this one in the water? And he picks up another one. He looks at it. He says, sir, it mattered to this one. And he throws it in the water. And so we have a situation where it just seems like things are overwhelming. And there's a lot to do. And it feels like the world has gotten darker. Anyone? Can I get a witness with that one? But it mattered to the seven that got baptized on Sunday. Amen. Come on, somebody. It mattered to, the, to, to Kaddish and Jessica uh, that we've been supporting them for so many years. It matters to the people in, in India when we take our responsibilities seriously and we fulfill the plans that God has for us in their lives. Amen? These are the five pillars of the church, things that we strive to involve ourselves in and evaluate ourselves against so that we will fulfill the overall plans and vision God has for us, which we have a specific vision for our church, one that we share in our membership classes. So next chance it comes up, I want you to jump into that. But an easy way to remember the general one is to use the word water. I want you to test yourselves. As a matter of fact, turn your paper over. Turn your paper over. Don't look. All right. Write down what our overall purpose. This is R. 
without looking at the, what I just gave you. I'm going to give you 15 seconds. All right. The W stands for? Worship. The A stands for? Acceptance. The T stands for? Teach. The E stands for? Equip. And the R stands for? All right, be honest. How many got them all right? Oh, most of you. <laughs> okay. That's good. Another way to remember it is you can write this down. Living water exists to worship our Heavenly Father, to accept one another in Christian love and fellowship, to teach and proclaim God's Word, to equip God's people to do the work of the ministry, and to reach the world for Christ. Worship, accept, teach, equip, and reach the world for Christ. Folks, let's pray that we never lose sight of these five pillars because this is what God is asking us to do, that we will stay on track and that we will fulfill the plans that he has, the corporate plans and even the specific plans. But it all starts with a personal plan or a personal relationship with Jesus. The Father is looking for worshipers those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. And that starts with accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. If you've not yet done that, that's your first step. That's your first step. And so why don't, you, why don't we go ahead and take care of that before we go into our next phase in this morning service and say something like this from your heart if you've not yet done that. It be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I acknowledge my need for a Savior. I acknowledge who my Savior is. His name is Jesus. I thank you for sending him to die on the cross for me. Three days later, rise from the dead. Right now, I ask you to forgive me of my sins come into my life, to come into my heart. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And I confess my faith in Him completely right now. Fill me with your spirit, with your power, with your love. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, Amen. And let me encourage you that if you prayed that prayer on the authority of His Word, you become a brand new person in Christ. Now, that's just the beginning of your relationship with the Lord. There is so much that God wants for you, both personally. He said, you will seek me and find me if you seek me with all your heart. God's got an individual plan for you, plan for your family, plan for your career, plan for your future. And obviously, he's got a corporate plan that involves us being in a church working together to fulfill the plan that he has 
in our world today. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.